Podcast PD, Episode 2. This episode of Podcast PD is brought to you by the Education Calendar. The EDUCAL is the crowdsourced, searchable map and calendar of education events worldwide. Their goal is to help share great learning opportunities for all educators so we can grow together. For more information and to find out where you can learn next, visit theeducationcalendar.com. Podcast PD, the podcast. This is the podcast for K 12 educators who want anytime, anywhere professional development. We are going to dive deep into the education topics that you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day, but you'll have a lot more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindas, and me, Chris Nessie. educators of all ages thank you for joining us for podcast pd episode two this is pj bianco being joined with i'm stacy lindis and i'm chris nessie and we all went to go see the batman movie this weekend not together but with our families Woo-hoo. lego batman was awesome it was a great movie but everything and- wasn't awesome because there was not a song that went with it there was the robin song are you kidding me and the fly song the robin fly that was lame. The song at the end was pretty fantastic. I got to be honest; my boys were sitting there and they didn't want to leave because of that. Yeah. So if, if you're on the outside, you haven't seen the Lego Batman movie. It's not PD, but it is a little fun for you. So you should definitely go check out that movie. It is personal development. It is family time. You can't go wrong. So sometimes you need to step away from your podcast and your books and and oh, God forbid the Twitter. God forbid we put that down for five minutes. It's also a pretty good life lesson for our kids that they can create anything they want to. Yes. Go into developer mode. No. What is it called? Um, master Builder. Yeah, that was pretty Play cool. my Master Builder music. That was the best. It was fantastic. That was the best. And I love watching the uh, the caster characters and seeing that Ray Fiennes play, played Alfred but did not do Voldemort's voice. What? That, that was funny, though. It was weird. It was weird. I did not expect to see Voldemort in the Phantom Zone. How about you, AJ? When the, all those characters came out, I was kind of surprised. I was like just looking at them like one by one. King Kong, like, come on. Oh, the Gremlins? The Gremlins, yes. that that was fantastic. And the kids, my kids are like, those monsters. I'm like, they're Gremlins. I'm like, Gizmo is actually kind of cute. I didn't see Gizmo. I just saw Gremlins. No, I was trying to tell them about Gizmo, but it's very hard to explain to a four and two-year-old what the Gremlins and Gizmo are. As much fun as Lego Batman was. You're not here for Lego Batman reviews. So let's get into the PD that we're going to talk about and that you want to know about. And Stacy is going to bring us to our featured commentary for the week. Stacy, what do you got for us? So tonight we're going to talk about um, bringing an EdCamp style PD to your district and what that looks like so that it works for your district if it's a new experience for everyone. So we've all taken part in EdCamps before, but I've actually never had one in my school as professional development. We used one recently in our district where their sessions were pre-created and you can sign up and go wherever you want it to go. But again, that was, you have your time slot, you do what you have to do. But I am excited to hear what you have planned for your school. I know it's been done before and 
Chris, you can speak on that. As we know, a gentleman, Adam Schoenbart, who ran one fantastically, beautifully in his school. And Well, I can say that while I haven't done an official ed camp for PD out of my school and in my school district, uh, there have been a number of attempts to really focus on the idea of creating teacher choice. Yeah, and we could definitely talk about that as well, because I think what schools do well, um, schools individually, not necessarily the district, is try to create that more authentic choice-based PD that happens maybe during a faculty meeting time or in lieu of a faculty meeting. The reason we're talking about an EdCamp-style PD is because on Friday, so this coming Friday, um, my district is embarking on, I think, our third or fourth EdCamp unconference-style PD. Um, I'm kind of losing track of where we're at because every year we do this and it's structured a little bit differently. So um, being a tech coach, I'm always focused on tech. So no matter what I'm doing, my PD has to involve technology in some way, shape or form. The EdCamp model um, for us is done a little bit differently because as we've rolled out our one-to-one program, we usually pull those teachers out. Um, not always during the EdCamp PD, but um, a lot of times that is what our focus is for those teachers who are going one-to-one the next year. So our teachers who are going one-to-one next year are all teachers who teach ninth grade. Big win for us. I'm super excited because this year, it's not just those teachers being pulled out and working one on with us in EdCamp and in an EdCamp model, but um, it's all fifth through 12th grade teachers who are coming together and it will be a true ed camp. Although I've been slotted to do something with technology that day. Let me ask you this. You said this is the maybe fourth or fifth iteration of this for you in your district. Can you talk a little bit about what the first one looked like and what some of those challenges that were overcome were? Um, I will say early on, it was kind of tricky because while there was a lot of enthusiasm in bringing an unconference to our district, part of what we lacked was leadership that had actually attended an unconference. So it's hard to have someone help run the day. And Chris, as as a as a lead organizer of an ed camp, and AJ as an organizer of an ed camp, you guys know that there is as much as it's unconference, and there's like a lot of looseness to the day, there's structure. Um, I think with a lack of leadership, having attended an ed camp, it's kind of hard to get everyone on the same page. So there there were great misconceptions. I will say that because I am always pulled out with that smaller group, we were were heavily scaffolded. I remember that first year, I knew exactly what I was offering. And I offered three different sessions on technology. One was on Google Maps, one was on organizing, drive, And another one was on something else that I don't even remember. I think it was just kind of an open conversation about bringing devices into the classroom. Was everything that was offered related to technology or were there other education topics being talked about? For us, so there, uh, mind you, there are six people on my team. So we had to offer technology. And then the rest of the day was wide open. And we kind of staged the board to make it look like it hadn't been pre-filled, but we knew that our sessions were going to be up there. So those were prepped. And it's kind of the same this year as well, um, except that my team of six teachers, 
we don't necessarily need to facilitate as many sessions. So I think um, I will be facilitating too and then helping run the board in the first session. And then, you know, we are allowed to um, participate in our own professional development. So we attend one session. So what are you noticing from the people that are coming in? Are they like, surveyed as to what they want to learn or are they just putting things out there? Are they coming with questions? I mean, I know, I know they've probably now been inundated with all these different technology tools and phrases and ideas going forward, but are they excited to do this or are they nervous about technology? Like what's, what, what are their feelings on this whole thing? I think that um, the fifth grade teachers that would be the most nervous are newer fifth grade teachers. And, um, you know, there's certainly a handful of them. What's really sad about that is those new teachers are actually getting pulled out for a different PD that day. So all first year teachers will be pulled out. So we will miss them. Um, they'll miss that part of the conversation. Be able to get it next year if we continue with the um, the segments and the factions that we've created for PD. So if we keep the structure the same, they'll get it next year. And what's really nice is, you know, Unconference isn't the only time that they'll hear, hear about technology because there are six of us and we, you know, work in all 10 of our schools. So. so since you're not just throwing this at the staff, are you finding different people want to present at these different unconferences, these different end camp styles or people coming out of their shell more as you go through or are they kind of hanging back and just hoping that somebody else gives them the information that they need and not kind of sharing what they're doing in their classroom or creating a actual discussion about what they can do in their classroom? I think it's a little bit of both. I think there are some people who will hide behind the work that they're doing. So I know last year we moved to standards-based report cards. So there were teachers who spent time um, having a conversation about that and then extended their time to actually do their report cards. So that was a bit of a a hit in knowing that that's not necessarily what EdCamp is. I think that sometimes um, the message can still be lost on to it should be about new learning, not necessarily working on a unit that you've already done and just kind of fine tuning that. Um, but I think if that's the only time that you get to do that, then, then that's okay. And, you know, um, I know last year I was able to work with, a fifth grade teacher. And it was actually really cool because we did mystery hangouts together. And then we did a mystery hangout with, um, with another school. And so for me, that was really cool. And we actually, our teachers participated in a hangout, um, with students who were in school that day, since our PD takes place on a school day. So they got to see what a real mystery hangout looked like instead of just kind of having that conversation of here's this theoretical thing that you could do. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a live action demo. I think, you know, for, for our listeners out there, I really think it's that's something uh, good to take with you in your presentation. Have something that can be more hands on than just this is what I've done. And here, take a peek at it. You know, set it up ahead of time. You know, something's going to go down. You know, get a Skype going, get a Google Hangout. Go live on on YouTube. You know, make that part of your demonstration, your presentation, so that you know, teachers never seen it before see what it looks like in action. I think that's a great idea because I mean, even just with uh, you know, the recent EdCamp Encore, and I said I wouldn't go there, but you know, Stacy, you brought in the idea, and you got this from a different conference. 
you know, the idea of having a discussion or a conversation as opposed to having a session. And I think the other thing that goes along with discussion and conversation is that idea of demonstration where create, and we've, we've, we've proposed at conferences before to, are we going to have a hands-on session? Is it more lecture based? And, you know, I think one of the common themes of this podcast and the way we like to learn going back to episode one is we don't just like to be sitting and being told new information. So I I think we all like to be hands-on and have an experience. And I I think the more we can provide professional learning opportunities that revolve around new learning based on an experience, the more people will take ownership of that new knowledge. And I think the more likely you are to see it actually get to the students and take place in the classroom. What are your thoughts on that, guys? You know, I think it's it's so simple. You say something like that, and like I just did a presentation for my for my district last week on the flipped classroom, and a friend of mine's like, "How'd you do it?" And I was like, "I showed him a bunch of tools, and I gave him examples of how to use them." And he's like, "Did you actually show it being used in your classroom?" And I just stood there and I was like, "Duh! Like, why wouldn't I? That is the, like the the way to go. Why wouldn't I show exactly the tool that I've used?" or a video of my students using that tool in the classroom. Like how ridiculous is to not even say, yeah, that would totally be the thing to do. It, it's so simple, but we just don't think about that because we want to deliver the information that people can use right away. That's like, here's a tool. Here's how to use it. Give it a try. Not even like, here's an example of how it works. Bone. Yeah. And I, I think <laughs> you're not a bonehead, but I think part of that too is knowing your audience, right? Like it's, like I think that some of the teachers that I work with and that I encounter in in other conferences, not all of them, especially not Ed Camp, but in other conferences, you know, they go in and we have this joke that, you know, you sit down, you open your brain like it's a sardine lid, you let all the information go in, and then you close the sardine lid and you hope that you might use it some other time. And it's I think sometimes it's hard to move your audience away from that type of sit and get. Um, professional development as well. So, you know, even last year, last year, it wasn't for our unconference, but we also do um, an ASCD type proposal-based professional development day. And that one is all just kind of vetted proposals. And then you actually have to pick where you're going. And I did sketch noting and I could just tell people were annoyed that we actually asked them to sketch note or that, you know, they had to participate and have conversation and do something. And I just, that to me, I, I'll never understand why people are annoyed by that. Like, that's what we expect our kids to do all day. I don't know if this is relevant, but I would almost venture a guess that the teachers that have a problem doing that in their professional development, they're not the teachers who are running their classrooms where they want their kids to be doing these things. So Stacey, I think, you know, when you say people don't want to you know, do the work in their session. Maybe they came because they saw your name they saw the word sketch noting and they thought, oh, I'll see examples of all the things that have been done. And, you know, maybe it's something I can use with my students and not something I want to do. You know, I, I did a session with sketch noting once and I was ready to be an active participant until I started putting pen to paper and realized that I really can't draw. So sketch noting really isn't the best for me. No, that's true. And I think that sometimes, um, so I know that there have been times when I approach PD as just kind of a day to let my brain relax a little bit. And then when you're asked to participate that way, it can be kind of disconcerting or just like a, an UG type feeling. Yeah. That's never, that's never a good, good thing. 
that's why we're here to make that change, right? Make that that's shift right. so people don't feel that way. So I have a question for you. How do you feel, you know, you two being at camp organizers, how do you feel about coming in with a partially set schedule, like a partially set session board, conversation board, whatever you want to call it, where there are already topics that have been created? All right. So since it's a district-wide kind of ed camp for you, I don't think it's a bad idea to come in with some kind of preset notion as to what people are working on in their classrooms. You know, you guys are in there as administration has been in there and you as a tech coach have kind of seen what's been going on. So kind of putting it out there is this is what's happening in our schools and our classrooms. It's great if we answer these questions and kind of give more detail. Um, I think, I think that's fine. If it was an actual ed camp, you know, I kind of like going all out of control and just seeing what's, what's new. What are people doing? What are people thinking? Um, That works better for me. But like I said, for a district, let people come in, let, you know, set up things that are necessary and, you know, something that's going to help people and help students grow. I would agree with that. I think to have some predefined sessions is totally acceptable because, you know, there, there's going to be professional development that, you know, as a district, you, you need your teachers to have access to. And I think really what a district should focus on is the choice because for a district that this is new to, well, you know what the old model was, and that was sit and get. We're dictating to you what you're going to learn, how long you're going to learn it. And most of your staff will be empowered just for having choice and maybe even putting out a call for proposals. And maybe the, the it starts off as a traditional conference where empower your staff who has something they want to share what do you want to teach and, and share your experiences about that? That's super relevant. And then just giving everybody the ability to choose what they want to go to uh, and maybe instituting something like the rule of two feet and borrow from ed camp. You know, if, if you go to a session, it's not what you thought it was going to be, even though there was a description, you know, get up and go to something else. Just make sure you get something out of the day. That that's, that, that's my biggest thing. And that's what I've had the most success with in my school the last couple of years where we've provided that choice. And that's really what my colleagues have enjoyed. Yeah. And I have to give my, my district a lot of props too, for, for moving towards that model in general, you know, we have two big PD days, the unconference being one. And like I said, the ASCD proposal type day being the other, but it is all choice-based, you know, it is all participant driven. Um, We've done away with those, outside people coming in. I think the last person I remember coming in to deliver specific PD was Greg Tang when I was teaching third grade. So that was years ago. Um, And I just remember being very annoyed with that day for so many different reasons. And I taught math and I love his books and I love using his books in my math classroom. But I just remember thinking like there are so many other more valuable things I could be doing right now. Yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Stacey. I think it's also, I think now, nowadays, it's better to have, you know, the people who work in that district and the staff actually deliver the relevant PD instead of people coming in and telling us, this is what I've tried in so many other schools and it's been fantastic. Well, this is not one of those schools. You know, we do our thing our way. You know, I, I just think about, you know, old, old school PD and, you know, bringing in somebody in the district costing $10,000 for a guy who did nothing for us and made us sit there for, six to eight hours, you know, get the people that, that are relevant, get the people who have seen those students, work with those students, known those students since they were, you know, 
kindergartners or early elementary, whatever the case may be. I think it's better. And I actually, AJ, you just hit on something that that is very important, and that that is the fact that you're when you empower your staff to be the leaders and providers of professional learning, you are tapping into the fact that they know the climate, the culture of the district or the buildings, and you're more likely to listen to and, you know, give your attention to somebody who you know, as opposed to somebody, you know, who is just paid to be there, who, you know, maybe they drove up from three hours away just to hear, I'm going to talk about topic X and, you know, I don't know your kids. I don't know your staff. I don't know anything about you, but, and and here's all this great success that you're going to have, you know, doing a, B and C, and that's going to solve all your problems. When, you know, if you or I get up there and we're telling a real story about our classroom and you know, the kids who I'm dealing with, that's going to be more relevant for you and going to be more likely that you can take action on what I'm sharing. And I think the kid piece is really key. You know, knowing like like you both said, you know, AJ said, I, you, we know these kids from kindergarten and we're able to work with them. I think that that's really, really important. Um, just knowing all parts of the school instead of just like that one particular element of professional development. So I have another question for you. Um, our high school teacher resource specialists are surveying their staff members to see what needs they might feel um, need to be addressed for, for their Friday PD. Because like I said, you know, our focus for them is technology. However, that's not necessarily their focus, right? Um, How else do you think that we can get that information from them? Because I think that sometimes we're over surveyed and you know, that input can get kind of lost when you have the same five people fill out a survey as far as like what professional development they want to see. My initial reaction is one, and and this might sound kind of harsh, but it's February. If I was in a position like that, I would have some kind of understanding of what my colleagues need based on having been in the buildings in September and being in the classrooms and seeing where in in my professional estimation, where their shortcomings and needs are. So maybe I'm just more observant than the average tech integration specialist. I don't know. But I think that they should already have an idea and not have to send out a Google form in February to find out what don't you know? What can I teach you about? They should already have some idea about that. That's the harsh answer. The easier answer is maybe go to administration who have been conducting observations and they're getting paid to observe to go and find out, okay, Mr. Principal or Mrs. Vice Principal, where are our staff lacking in technology? Again, if, if I'm a tech specialist, I'll go to them. What do you, where, where do you see teachers? Not, I don't need names, but what are some of the topics our colleagues are struggling with so I can develop PD? So, Either I've come up, come to that point on my own because I'm observing just from doing the in-class, the co-teaching and, and what my job is, or I'll go to administration and say, hey, what can you share with me about what you're seeing? And then you feel like administration is involved in the process. They feel good. And we all know if they feel good and you're top down, everybody feels good. 
But I think the best part is <laughs> if if you get those people involved who who need to be involved, why can't they present what they find to be an issue? So if this is not your first time doing an EdCamp, then those people should say, okay, well, here's something we're struggling with. Here's a question that we have, or here's a topic we need to focus on. You know, they should be now trained if it's your third or fourth time doing this. Those people have to kind of take that leap, right? Make the move, present, th- ask the question. Yeah. And I think that's been part of our conversation as well is, you know, and you guys have probably seen this with, with the ed camps that we attend that, you know, the expectation is that if I put my name up to talk about um, forms and sheets and, you know, creating all the great things that you can do in, in a Google sheet, I'm expected to be the expert. Like that is just kind of what happens. That needs to change. That needs to change. So, and, and I picked that specifically because I know nothing about forms and I know not, well, not forms. And I know nothing about sheets, like formatting all the things that we um, give Adam mad props for. Mad props. Like, like he's just amazing. He says things and I'm like, that's not even English, what you're talking about right there with sheets. But um, if I put that up there, I think we need to also reframe how the session goes up on the board, right? Like help me learn how I can use Google Sheets in my blah, blah, blah classroom. Do you know what I mean? Is a little more telling of what the topic and how the conversation is going to go in that room than, you know, 50 ways to use Google Sheets in your economics classroom. That's why whenever I do a session like that where I want to have a discussion or have a question, I just call it a roundtable. So I'll say blended learning roundtable or flip classroom roundtable or discussion in, you know, it's just that rewording. You know, like you said, it's not, I'm the expert. Come look at what I do with sheets. You know, I, I like to put the onus on the participants. So I think people need to, when they're creating their session boards, um, show their vulnerability, right? That they don't know everything about it and that they're going in. And, and facilitating that conversation to have a need that they feel be met. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think one of the ways that you can actually achieve this in advance would be something like uh, like Chrissy did. In a, uh, and I'm talking about Chrissy Romano. She was recently a part of an ed camp in her school in her district. And they did like, I think she did like a parking lot before the day where people could put up you know, their ideas and they sort of did the, you know, free building of the session board in advance of the day. And then they could better build a board that day. And then to com- combo that with what you were just saying, Stacy, you know, maybe it's, it comes down to, and you'll like this color coding, you know, I need help with, or, you know, think, you know, sessions where I'm not the expert, but I want to get the question out there, you know, so maybe it's color coding and, putting the word out and getting topics or questions in advance of your day, not fully formed sessions. Let's move away from that and let's go to, I want to learn more about, and let's fill in the blank. Chris did, Chris did have a good idea, you know, create a Padlet, you know, open up, a, I mean, cause I know if you're doing a variety of different schools, create a Padlet, share it with the people, put their thoughts on there let them create their sessions based on that and see who else would join in. You know, I think that's a, that's your answer to getting people involved without having to come up on the first day and be like, okay, I don't want to put my name on there. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want people to walk out of my session. Get that Padlet going, people. Love Padlet. 
You know, that's funny, AJ, because we did a Padlet um, just in my school. Instead of doing a Google form, it's just, you know, as we talk about RPD for the rest of the school year and what people want to learn, because I think that there's a lot of value in giving them that voice in what they want to participate in, you know, even in the idea building stage, not necessarily in the like, here are your 10 choices, we created them for you. But like, what 10 choices would you like to offer to us? We created a Padlet. And I thought that that was a nice way, A, to introduce a new tool for some teachers. um, And then B, to just kind of put out there different things. It's not like, how do you feel about Google Forms? How do you feel about Google Slides? How do you feel about Google Docs and Drive and, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. fill in the Google, whatever. Um, this way it was really open-ended. And I think that pe- it got people thinking about different things. Yeah, I think that's great. I think also though, if you put in those keywords of Googleized instruction, I, I like, I know I made up a word, Googleized. I like uh, that. Thank you. Uh, or put some other things there because, you know, then you look at people and they're going to say, well, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know what I want to learn. So to kind of like narrow it down with like tech first, non-tech first, classroom instruction, uh, you know, put your Padlet, set it up like that. You know, as the owner of the Padlet, you can have the different sections. People can kind of fall in line as to where they want to learn that way. Have your high school tech people who want information do this. Set up a Padlet and the question or the prompt of the title, sorry, the title of the Padlet would be, I want to learn more about, or I feel I need more tech coaching in and have people fill in the blank and put up a, an anonymous Padlet thing. And then you can, or, or have, I mean, we're adults, put your name on it. If you have a question or give people the option to put their name or not put their name on it, but build it around that idea of, okay, what don't I know? Or what do I want to learn more about? I like that. I think what they're doing is a little more, um, analog an analog version of that padlet i think honestly they have like chart paper that they put up and they're just kind of using post-it notes same thing different small ideas small steps small steps and honestly at that point i don't think the teachers had their devices yet so during a faculty meeting it's not a good way to do that and if you know this if you send something out in an email and it's like click this link to a padlet you're not getting all the clicks. So when we did our Padlet survey, I called it, when we looked for that feedback, it was during the faculty meeting and everyone was um, kind of coached through how to create their account and how to post not anonymously. Because I want to know, like if someone says, I want to learn how to use math or how to use devices in, in the math classroom, I need to know which of my 16 math teachers is saying that. Because maybe it's, you know, 12 of them want to learn how to do it, or maybe it's one and I can go to that one person as opposed to holding a whole, you know, math department meeting. And actually something I'd like to throw out there too is maybe you, the listener, is in a school or in a district where, you know, there's you or maybe a handful of people like you who have been to an actual ed camp. And that doesn't include your administration or the people who make the professional development decisions for your school or your district. So you might be thinking, hey, these are great ideas. I love ed camps, but how do I even broach the subject you know, with, with the decision makers in my school and district? And I think you just need to start with, hey, I have an idea about professional development and I'd like to share it with you. And maybe the obviously the best case scenario is you get a decision maker to attend an ed camp or an unconference with you. 
Uh, the next best thing is just talk it up and just talk about the benefits and what you've learned and, and the people you've met. And in a sense, you have to sell them on the idea. And it wouldn't be the first time if it happens that somebody buys something without experiencing it or seeing it. So if you believe in the unconference model and teacher choice, you know, bring that to your decision makers and your leaders and share the good things with them. And if they're still in doubt, have them email myself or Stacy or AJ, or if you're listening to this, you're probably also on Twitter. Reach out to people who get it and put the people who are not quite getting it yet in touch. And I'm sure anybody would be happy to help you bring this to your school from your area or, or from the internet. So sometimes you got to sell it. And if it doesn't work, obviously you could do two things. One, you could deal with it and suck it up or you could go find a new job. But if you believe in it, keep promoting the idea of unconference learning and teacher choice and, you know, do what you can. And remember, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be whole school district. Um, it can be by your department. You know, maybe you bring the idea to your your department supervisor and she goes with it. And your next department meeting is based on, you know, three or four discussions. And maybe she puts a parking lot up before the department meeting takes place. And then you know what you're going to talk about. That happened at one of my last department meetings. And that was brilliant. Or maybe it happens in your building. We want to be able to make the, cho- the the choice. We want to be able to have that personalized learning. And we want to make sure that we are the ones who are walking away with more knowledge than we came in with. So they, it helps us in our classroom. <laughs> so why do we transition into uh, things that we have learned or are learning about? So actually, this actually comes into our podcast PD roots. So I'll actually start it off because I want to share... Uh, a, a podcast and a specific episode that recently helped me learn something new. So the first, it's a podcast recommendation, and that would be the Art of Manliness podcast, which people can find at artofmanliness.com. And the episode I listened to most recently was episode number 274, and the title of that episode is Building Your Band of Brothers. So some of the highlights from this episode include answering the question, why is it important for men to be a part of a band of brothers? Uh, Also went into the idea of the difficulty that adult men have in making friends. And I can relate to that. Um, How to have a band of brothers and and what that really means in terms of having a, a small group of men that it's not just about getting together and, you know, maybe having some root beer and ice cream, but you know, if I'm, I'll use myself, I'll put myself in the example, you know, say I'm having a tough time with my kids, but you know, a good neighbor friend of mine can see that I'm struggling to recognize something in my child and could point out to me, Hey, you know, your, your son doesn't like when you call him stinky, you know, but maybe I just, that's the nickname I use and I use it in front of his friends and, you know, a good friend of mine could see that my child gets embarrassed when I do that. Um, so, so that's a very basic example, but you know, to have some guys you could count on who make you a better man. And that's the theme of the whole podcast, that episode. And so 
if and the podcast, I mean, women could listen to to this podcast, so it's not just about men and listening to manly type stuff. Uh, but I, I I do enjoy the podcast, and this was an episode that that stuck out again to me, and that again is the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, I'm going to go back to the education route, Chris, and uh, although that does sound actually pretty interesting, because you know, as a father of boys. I find myself hanging out with my wife more than anybody else, which is not a bad thing. So, Jamie, if you're listening, I love you. Um, just saying, it is difficult to uh, get out there and try to find time to do other things and, you know, recognize the things that you uh, you need to do. But uh, I'm going to check that out. But my, my recommendation, I started listening to a newer podcast, uh, the Google Teacher Tribe podcast with Matt Miller and Casey Bell. And I didn't know what to get. Uh, to think about going into this, I just thought, you know, teacher tribe was just going to be basically, you know, a bunch of educators talking about the things that they think is good. But this is a great podcast for those of you who are, you know, experts or you think you're experts in Google. When these two talk, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't know you can do that in Google. So their podcast is strictly about a variety of Google tools and the things that are being updated in Google and the new ways to use them. And I've listened to two of the three episodes and I think they are fantastic. Whoever produced these episodes has done a great job. You know, Matt and Casey are great, but you can just tell that something behind the scenes is just on point there. But in all seriousness, you guys should give uh, the Google Teacher Tribe podcast a good listen to if you want to know more about Google. Because like I said, you know, the more training that I do with people in my district, you know, they had come up with questions. I'm like, I don't know. But I think this is going to help me uh, move in a new direction with Google and help people in different ways. So give it a listen. Three episodes so far. And I'm going to have to cut in here as I edit this. So this is the awkward point in episode number two, where I, the experienced podcaster, uh, lost the recording. So I would like to tell you what we talked about. Uh, but from when we recorded this to when I edited it, I actually don't remember. And I talked with Stacy and AJ and they gave me the go ahead to just kind of break in here and end episode two. So with that, uh, on behalf of Stacy, AJ, and myself, you know, thank you for listening to episode two of Podcast PD. I'm going to recommend that you go over to podcastpd.com slash two, and that is the number two for the show notes for this episode. And Stacy has created another gorgeous sketch note to go along with this episode along with the different links and resources that we talked about so if you're not subscribed to this podcast make sure you do a couple of things go over to podcastpd.com slash subscribe and you'll be able to subscribe in your podcatcher of choice we welcome feedback from you and if you go to the website again podcastpd.com slash feedback you can get your questions or your comments on the show and since this is a new podcast, we would love for you to tell us how we're doing. And you could do that with an iTunes review and a rating. Uh, but above all, if you enjoy this podcast and you're happy with where this could be going, and, and again, the three of us are very excited about it, um, we would love for you to tell somebody else about Podcast PD, the podcast, and send them over to the website. You can refer them to us on Instagram and Facebook, and there will be links to all of that in the show notes. Connect with the show on Twitter 
at Podcast PD. Connect with Stacy on Twitter. She is at Iron Tech. Connect with AJ. He is at AJ Bianco. And of course, I am at Mr. Nessie on Twitter. And I know all three of us would love to connect with you and learn alongside of you. And we thank you for taking some time to listen to episode two. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators. Podcasts by educators. For more, go to edupodcastnetwork.com.